0: Thank you. Um, There were a few complaints last week that there was no joke, but it didn't really seem like an appropriate week for starting a sermon with a joke last week. So double double the fun today. Okay, so I don't know about anyone else. I feel a lot of emotion in the room this morning. Um, It's maybe just me and my cold, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, but I feel like some of those songs... They really evoke some stuff within us, I think, um, and I think because maybe there's an awareness of what some of you in the room are carrying this morning, there is. Um, we can feel the the weight of that. Um, but feelings are meant to be felt, so I'm just owning that this morning. There's a lot of emotion I feel behind this. Um, okay, so we're back in Matthew five, verse four. So um, thank you, Amy. Um, So last week we started this study and today we're going to conclude um, our study in this verse. Um, So by way of recap um, from last week, so um, last week we we sort of had four main points. Um, The first one of that was we talked about the inevitability of mourning and that it's something that we will all experience in our lifetimes. We'll all experience bereavements, some of them will be very impactful more than others And we talked a little bit about uh, the scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 that reminds us that there are different seasons in life. There are seasons that all of us will go through, seasons that will change, um, and that they are a normal part of of living as a human. We talked about uh, great mourning requires a great comforter. And we talked about that comfort of the Holy Spirit and how um, that is a supernatural comfort that is available to us as children of God. We talked about how it was even prophesied in the Old Testament that comforting his people was a really primary objective of Jesus coming. Even in the Old Testament we read that, that he came to bind up the brokenhearted, he came to comfort those who were mourning. We talked about some practical ways that we can help and and be part of that process of comforting others. We talked about the privilege that it is. And then lastly, we did reflect on the gospel application Um, of this verse and we considered our own standing before God and so last week in all of those points there was a clear focus on mourning after death Um, today we're going to just conclude by looking at how we mourn living losses okay so the same way I started last week's sermon if there's anything I'm speaking about today that triggers something in you or you find it a bit difficult, or it brings up emotion, or you feel like you want to be a bit more support around it, remember you're not on your own, you're in community, please ask for for some help or prayer later on if anything is is triggered in anything that I say. So how do we define a living loss? Okay, so a basic definition would be the loss of one's hopes or ideals related to what a person believes should have been, could have been, or might have been. So it's it's the loss of of things we hoped to have, maybe relationships we hoped to have, maybe things we assumed would just fall into place in life. It could be um, bodies, our bodies and our health that we just assumed would be okay and we would have enjoyment of them long into old age. But maybe there's losses in those areas that occur and when that happens we don't meet the expectations that we assumed we would meet there are loads of different types of living losses but I have put a a list of examples here to try and maybe prompt you because I know we've all experienced them but it might be helpful if we go through some common ones for you to maybe see where you have experienced living loss maybe where you're still in the middle of that um, and relate that to your own situation so first one here is rejection and that's a very broad term but it could be rejection by a person rejection by a a group of people, rejection in all areas of life, family, jobs, whatever. Relationships that you hoped would have been healed, but they're still broken. So this is a really hard one because in many ways a broken relationship can feel like a death because you may still have the person, but there is such rupture within a relationship with someone that you have lost them. Being overlooked or forgotten can feel like such a loss, it can feel like losing out. A child, a grown child leaving home is a living loss. A loss of dignity and very often that can be associated with um, ageing or disability. There is a loss of dignity unfortunately sometimes in those areas. The loss of your home or your home country Um, I think we we all know people who, unfortunately, that has been the case in their life. They have experienced that living loss. Divorce, estrangement from family members, redundancy, a diagnosis of ill health, being a victim of injustice or a victim of a crime, losing a loved one to their addiction. And with that, I don't mean that they've, they've passed away. I mean, sometimes when you have a loved one in addiction, Um, and they get to a certain point in that, it does feel like you have lost them as the person. They are their addiction. And that is a very, very difficult um, loss to experience, especially for a family member. And then maybe just not reaching the stage of life you imagined. So in terms of marriage, kids, jobs, financial security, health, like we we have ideals and we just assume by a certain point certain things will fall into place and when they don't, we experience that as living loss. These are only some examples, like we could talk all morning about other examples, but what I hope I've prompted within you is maybe you can see yourself somewhere in that list or maybe I've prompted you to think of, of your own losses. And I want you to hold that. Okay, so I know it's, sometimes it's uncomfortable to sit in the discomfort of, of acknowledging your loss. But, but keeping that in the front of your mind and think about our original text in Matthew 5 verse 4. So the comfort that is extended to people who mourn, it also applies to people who've, who are mourning these sort of losses as well. It's not just the mourning after death. It's the mourning after any loss in your life. And so to help us learn how to cope with these, um, we're going to take a few lessons from the the life of Joseph, um, Joseph in the Old Testament, as is recorded in Genesis. Um, So maybe you've never heard of Joseph, maybe some of you know his story really well. We have a really short video we're going to watch. It's just three minutes, and it's just going to remind us all, give us a wee refresher of the life of Joseph and the things he went through, and then we're going to take a look at what we can learn from him. So I'm going to sit down, and Andrew's going to cue that for me now, okay?
1: God's story, Joseph. So part of God's story is about a guy named Joseph, and it begins like this. Once there was a guy named Joseph who had 10 older brothers and one younger one. When Joe was a boy, he was his dad's favorite. In fact, his dad liked him so much better than his brothers that he gave Joe a special gift to prove it. You can imagine this made his brothers jealous. And Joe only made things worse. He told his brothers about dreams he had where he was ruling over them. Well, this made Joe's brothers furious. One day they were working and saw Joe coming. They said, here comes that dreamer. They threw Joe into a dark pit. They might have left him there forever, but they met some men traveling from Egypt and sold Joe to them as a servant instead. They thought that was slightly nicer than leaving him in a pit. Then they went home and told their father Joe had been killed by a wild animal. This broke their dad's heart. Kids, these brothers were really bad news. Selling a sibling is never a good idea. Ever. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joe. When Joe was a servant, he worked for a really important rich guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of the whole house. Joe was happy until one day he was blamed for something he didn't do, and Potiphar sent him straight to jail. Well. God was still with Joe, even in prison. The guard decided he liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of all the other prisoners. Then God gave Joe special knowledge about dreams. When two prisoners had dreams, Joe knew what they meant. So he told them. Two years later, Egypt's ruler called Pharaoh had a dream and nobody knew what it meant. But by now, one of the two prisoners Joe had helped was out of jail and working for Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about Joe. And God helped Joe figure out what Pharaoh's dream meant. But Pharaoh's dream was really more of a nightmare. It meant that everybody in Egypt would have food for seven years and be hungry for seven years. Joe told Pharaoh the only way to survive was to store food during the seven good years. Well, Pharaoh thought Joe's idea was brilliant. He put him in charge. During the seven hungry years, nobody could eat without getting food from Joe. He was like a human vending machine. Well, remember how Joe had 11 brothers? Like everybody else, they had to get food from Joe. And when they came, they didn't even recognize their brother. But Joe knew who they were. He secretly tested them to see if they changed. After all, they did throw him in a pit and sell him. Finally, he couldn't hide who he was from his brothers anymore. He told everyone to leave the room because he was about to cry. After sobbing for a few minutes, he told them, I'm your brother, Joseph. I'm the one you sold. The brothers couldn't believe it. They had hurt Joe, but God had taken care of him during the good times and the bad. Even with everything they had done to Joe, he forgave them, because he was willing to follow God, even when it was hard. Joe told them, you planned to harm me, but God planned it for good. And God used Joe to save many lives, including the family that was part of God's special rescue plan. And that's the story of Joseph. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Joe was his dad's favorite, his brother sold him, Potiphar put Joe in charge, Joe was sent to jail. The guard put Joe in charge, Pharaoh had a bad dream, Joe told him what it meant, Pharaoh put Joe in charge, Joe's brothers had to come to him for food, Joe forgave them. This was part of God's rescue plan, and that's a part of God's story.
0: Very quick refresher there. Um, but I think that um, if we think about living losses, we can maybe now you can see like Joseph experienced a lot of, of living losses in what is recorded in Scripture. So thinking back to that list I had on the screen in a minute ago, the big ones there: rejection by your family, um, loss of his home, his home country. He was a victim in just, of injustice. He was accused of a crime he didn't commit. There was broken relationships, he was estranged from his family. There were a lot of living losses for Joseph, or Joe, as the video calls him. And if we think about what we can learn from Joseph's example, it would literally take weeks and weeks, and Neil isn't going to give me any more Sundays for a while. So I've narrowed it down to three things that I want to um, leave with you that were helpful for me. So I, I always think if it's helpful for me, that's the mo- maybe I'm meant to share. So I've tried to start all these with the letter P because I like things starting with the same letter. So the first one is pain. Joseph acknowledged his pain and instead of living reactively with vengeance or with a victim mentality he asked God for wisdom in dealing with those who caused his suffering. And I think If we are to think about the way that even he embraced his brothers after they were so cruel, I mean, we can't imagine what that would be like to be treated that way by your siblings. But even the fact that he was able to embrace them and there was eventually forgiveness and mercy and love displayed, that's supernatural. That's not of us. Of us, humanly, we would not be able to do that. But in order for Joseph to have got to that point He did have to acknowledge the pain that he had experienced. If he had minimised it or excused it or said, well, it wasn't that bad or made excuses, he wouldn't have got to that full place of healing. He had to acknowledge the reality of what he had lost. Mm -hmm. And we also have to be able to acknowledge that pain. And this is sometimes the bit that's difficult because as humans, and I think culturally, we downplay a lot of stuff. So sometimes we can go through horrific loss, horrific things, and then think, well, that's just life. Or maybe people say to you, well, there's other people who have it worse, count your blessings, and so on. And they're quite cliched statements. And sometimes they are true, but they are very rarely helpful, those cliched statements. And in a way, they are a form of denying what you're going through. And I don't think that's the example it's set for us in scripture. And I think, you know, even last week, we talked a lot about feeling your feelings that we're allowed to have that spectrum that God can hold your anger, he can hold your sadness, he can hold your joy there's nothing has to be hidden from him in this, this scenario we also have to be able to feel that and say this is the loss I've experienced and it is really painful and I'm upset and I'm hurt and this is real we need to do that with us but also with in front of God because he already knows what we're feeling and maybe in front of others so this is where the community comes in again maybe there are a few people that we need to be able to disclose that to to get the right support if we name the pain we name the hurt, it means we're not undermining, we're not minimising what we're feeling, scripture never asks us to do that, Jesus never says stop moaning, it's not that bad it sounds out of context when I say that but the way we get on sometimes is if we're supposed to and that's not that's not Jesus' way for us. Number two, pivot. Okay, if you can name that TV show, we should be friends, okay? Pivot. Um, Joseph had pain in front of him. But he decided that although he had experienced the loss, he would pivot his focus toward God. So in Genesis 50, verse 20, we read his words where he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. It's interesting, when I was thinking about this and thinking about that verse, like it's quite a familiar one, and it's just recorded for us once in Genesis. But I imagine that Joseph had to remind himself about this over and over and over again. Because he was having a really hard time. And there might have been points where he forgot that, you know, God intends this for good. God can turn this around. I imagine if he was the same as us, he was a human. He was quick to forget. And we are all quick to forget. You might have been in church all your life and heard these verses and, and heard these encouragements. But yet in a time of loss, it all goes out the window because we're human. One of the books that I referenced last week is written by a Dave, um, Dave Furman. Um, it was his book on helping people who are suffering. And in his book, he writes, there's a legend that Martin Luther was asked why he was preaching on justification by faith for the 20th time to his congregation. He said he preached on the same theme again because they didn't remember after the 19th time. The same is true for us. We're quick to forget. We need to remind ourselves and each other to hold fast to the hope that is set before us so that wonderful verse in hebrews that encourages us to to hold fast um, to that hope we need to continually and repetitively remind ourselves of the goodness of god so we can if we think on this side we can acknowledge the pain and there's there's loss there's living loss here maybe there's, there's mourning after death maybe there is distress but if we pivot and um, it means we're not looking at the pain we're turning slightly, so we're still having awareness, we're not in denial, but we can turn. If you think about this in terms of netball, okay, so if anyone had to play netball for high school PE, um, one of the rules that I do remember is that you can move, but you have to keep one foot in the same place. So as much as you have to keep that foot, one foot grounded, the rest of your whole body can move. This is the same idea with this. We have the pain, and we can choose to just look at it and live there, or we can pivot and we can get that movement going. To lastly get ourselves round to this side, where we're going to proclaim what is true. So in this third point, I want to point out that Joseph really was true to his identity. He was true to who would, what he was called to do, what God needed of him. Very often when we experience loss, and like what Joseph experienced, it can easily become part of who we are and part of our identity. Easily we can become a victim. We can feel unloved, unwanted, not good enough. But like the words that Jenna shared earlier, about that, that voice in your ear saying you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're unloved. It's your fault, this is why this has happened. And that's not true, that, is, that isn't of anything good. If Joseph had have embraced that, that mentality, that identity, his story would have ended very, very differently. When we are carrying that ache and we're acknowledging the pain and we pivot, we have to put it somewhere else. We have to put our identity somewhere else. So over here, we need to proclaim who we are, what we know to be true. We need to think about how the the creator who made us sees us. He sees us as chosen as loved, as forgiven, as redeemed, as children of God. We're not the victim over here who's unloved, and unwanted, and not actually good enough. They're, they're complete opposites. We need to be able to claim that for ourselves. And I suppose that's the easiest way that I can think of how, how we can be um, really realistic with what we're going through and name that loss we can pivot and then over here we're going to proclaim who we are and even if you're turned this way you're still aware of what's going on here so we're not in denial but we're deciding where where we're going to land this is all movement we're landing over here and we need to be able to get better at doing that for ourselves and encouraging others as i finish today and I, i am almost done i want to just draw your attention back to the original text in matthew 5 verse 4 Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Whatever it is that you are mourning, whether some of this really relates to you or maybe some of what we talked about last week is what you're living through at the moment, there is comfort offered to you by the one who created you. The one who knows the hairs on your head, he also knows your deepest pain. He knows all of it. And I feel like the, the message that you need to really hear this morning is that he cares for you, he loves you, and he wants to remind you that you're not doing this on your own. And that's the word I would love to end with and let land now. Um, Neil, would you like to come pray for us?
2: Slow <coughs> up, uh, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Even feels like you've. As light has started, just recognizing, and acknowledging and there's just a, a tenderness in the room and, a, and an emotion, God, that, that God makes this, it uh, feels like it makes this even more important. God, you just want us to catch something of your heart for us, God. You want to catch something of been able to experience freedom um, so God I just, re- I just don't want to pray for people God just, just, just believe in and, and sense it. you're just holding people and, and God as we recognize and acknowledge God some of those losses that maybe we've <coughs> we've tried to bury or we've tried to um, distract ourselves with other things God I just thank you it feels like there's a moment for us just to um, God experience a comfort that we haven't for a long time God I pray that that comfort would just be so tangible and so real in each life and each home God every one of us in this room, God we whether well, it's been something on that list or something something else, God, this is this is something for all of us to reckon with. And so Father, I guess that's my prayer for all of us in our homes today, in our in our families, even our wider families, God, that there would be a tangible sense of your comfort. And as we recognize the pain, and God, we take hold of this opportunity to pivot toward you, God, uh, our story would look different, like it did for Joseph. There's a chance, God, for our story to look different because of where we're going to turn our focus. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the chance to hear your word to hear your heart for us. Yeah, we love you. God, we pray for you. Bless us this week. Challenge us. God, encourage us. Be so present with us. God, may we be uh, so present to you as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Layla. Have a good day. Enjoy your week.